hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today, I'm joined with Sean Carney, who's an author, speaker, husband, father, and CEO and president of 40 Days for Life. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. First of all, thanks so much for joining. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. I hope this podcast provides some hope and encouragement into your faith walk. If you're a long-time listener, if you've tuned in before, thanks for your continued support. I hope this podcast also provides an additional perspective to your faith walk and journey. Today's conversation is with Sean Carney, who's an author, speaker, husband, father, and CEO and president of 40 Days for Life. Before we hop in, I'd like you to leave a review or rating if you have not done so already, if you're a longtime listener. If you're tuning in for the first time, we're just glad to have you. There is no requirement, uh, encouragement to, to leave a rating or review. Today's conversation with Sean, we discuss his latest hope-filled book, The Beginning of the End of Abortion, 40 Stories of God Changing Hearts and Saving Lives, which released on September 12th. Prayer is a foundational pillar from which uh, they are able to move and go forward. In this book, Sean comes from a perspective of women who are in abortion abortion positions and details the pain and suffering women go throughout this critical life or death time for a child. In this conversation, Sean shares a handful of diversified stories of folks on the team who have made an impact to these women at these critical junctures of life or death in their lives and the results of closing down local clinics and actually the transformation into Christian organizations for some. Over 750,000 people have participated in a 40 Days for Life campaign, and it is mostly women. However, Sean details a few good men who have participated and are participating, and he speaks to the importance of men taking a stand as well. Uh, if you'd like to, to get involved, uh, stay tuned. Uh, there's, there are many ways uh, for you to, to pick up this book, uh, participate in a campaign, and, and as usual, learning more on their website and all they have to offer and the different resources. But without further ado, let's turn on over to the conversation with Sean so you can hear it firsthand yourself. Sean, thanks so much for, for being with me and spending some time today. Man, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Um, so first, I, I definitely want to hop into some of your latest work. Uh, so congratulations on your upcoming book, uh, The Beginning of the End of Abortion. Uh, it's very exciting. It is. It is exciting. It's one of those, you know, you work on a book for a, a long time. Some of the stories that I put in there I've worked on for years and you get to the point where it's actually being released and I'm, I'm definitely for one ready for it to be mm. released. And yeah. So it's kind of like the work is all done yep. and I'm looking forward to getting it out there. It comes out on September the 12th. September 12th. Wonderful. Um, but as I, as I've uh, have had different guests on. I, I know books can take over, you know, two around two years or give or take. Uh, so it's a lot of effort, a lot of uh, over a long period, uh, staying quite focused into into those, you know, however many pages. So it's good to see the final product and it, it, exciting that it's just in a just over two weeks now or just about two yeah, weeks. Yeah, no, a couple of weeks. We did pre-orders and just to throw it out there, which I. Uh, we were unable to do with the first book uh, that I co-authored called mm-hmm. 40 Days for Life. Mm-hmm. And so we did pre-orders with this one and got a tons of orders over the summer, mm-hmm. thousands of orders. And so now we're we're ready to actually release it and get it out there. Wonderful. Um, so I want to know for you know for myself and for other folks who may, may not be super familiar uh, with, the, with the work that you've been doing in this book in particular, can you share what this uh, what this book is all about? Really, what readers can expect uh, if they're interested in picking it up? Well, it, it's a hope filled book. You know, it's very uplifting. What I do is I I take forty stories to mm. illustrate really what we're seeing in the grassroots in America mm. around the abortion issue. We've had abortion forty five years uh, since it was legalized in nineteen seventy three, and yet we are as uncomfortable uh, as we've ever been. And there are there's more momentum at the local level than we've ever had. We're mm-hmm. certainly seeing it now on the federal level with some of the Supreme Court nominations. Uh, but for decades, we've had so many 
resources for women, uh, pregnancy resource centers, outnumber abortion providers three to one. We've seen 40 Days for Life grow, and I know we're going to get into that later. And we just see a this movement is a movement of converts, of, of people that, that have had an abortion, or men or, or boyfriends who have paid for an abortion, and, and doctors who have done abortion who are now pro-life. And so the point of the book is to mm. illustrate that and show, you know, we're a movement of converts, and therefore we're, we're a movement of hope, and we are seeing the beginning of the end of abortion. Mm. Wonderful. Um, and there's a few key, a few concepts and themes that I think resonate throughout this book, but then also with 40 Days for Life. Um, and I know one of them is prayer and the, and the importance that prayer has had um, to, in this novel in particular. Can you share a bit more about um, what prayer does and why it's so important? Yeah, it's just the foundation. It's, mm. it's everything. I mean, we live in a very aggressive and hostile culture particularly towards Christian, we're sort of the ones that everybody gets to mock and make fun of, <laughs> and it's acceptable. And, um, you know, I think that for the abortion issue, mm. this goes to the heart of Christ. You know, he could have popped out of an acorn and saved us from our sins in a millisecond, and yet he didn't do that. He, he chose a, a woman, a virgin. He chose the womb. Uh, he decided to to become a baby and then a toddler and then learn from his dad how to, how to be a carpenter and just that ultimate mm. uh, humbling of himself to save us, ending with him obviously handing mm. his life over on the cross. And so he gives us this example, and now the womb is, is statistically the most dangerous place in America and mm. certainly around the world. And so, you know, I think prayer, when you stand up against that, you can't run out the door and say, Hey, I'm gonna. We want to end abortion, or we want to help women, or we want to reveal the truth, or whatever. Uh, you're gonna last about ten minutes in this culture. They will gobble you up and spit you out. Mm. But if we trust God and we pray, then anything is possible with Him. And so that's why we use that 40-day time period and 40 days for life. You're entering into a season of prayer when you participate in the 40 days for life campaign. And without prayer. It's pointless. Mm. Mm. Um, so no. So on that, you mentioned there's 40 stories that are uh, compiled in this book, and uh, obviously a lot of biblical significance in that number 40. And there's also you know three, you know seven, twelve, and um, but it's it, it's 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 impressive that you that you managed to get 40 stories, which also is <laughs> yeah, which is which is quite telling though to to the power uh, of how you've been able to create all these different stories, but put them into one book that can still speak uh, to this, you know, to, to this cause and being pro-life at the end of the day, which is very powerful. Um, so I want to hear a bit more, uh, maybe, uh, you know, two or three stories um, that, that have really, that might be completely different from an outsider's perspective, but ultimately you wanted to include uh, and kind of just elaborate a bit more on, on those stories. Yeah, one of the ones that really strikes to the heart of, of a lot of people is um, this story in Manassas, Virginia, where uh, there was an abortion doctor doing abortions in a business park, a little strip center. And so a Christian pregnancy center went in right next door to him, and they literally shared a wall. And it was very difficult on the staff because they could actually hear the machine going when every abortion was done, which reminded them to pray. And they realized most of the abortions were done in this one back room, and they had a room on the other side of the wall. So they built the chapel and just had constant prayer back there in the chapel. And one day that abortion doctor came out to the 40 Days for Life vigil, because we had a vigil out mm -hmm. in front. People were out there praying. And he said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, what was that? What was that music? What was that singing? I heard something. And there was a group, a, a Christian group that had met and prayed and they were praying aloud. And he heard that he had been away from God for decades, but it reminded him of his childhood faith. And he said, I can no longer do this. And he never did another abortion and praise god his that abortion facility ended up closing not only did he stop doing mm -hmm. abortions and leave they 
they didn't find another abortion doctor. And now that's actually a, a, a charitable Christian organization that helps women. But, you know, that was one of the stories we decided mm. you, people can download that. That's free. You can go to 40daysforlife.com slash book. And, and that's one of the free chapters that we gave away because it really speaks to the hearts and minds. You know, we're, we can be so cynical about you have your mind made up and I've got mine made, made up. And you mention all the 40 stories. They're diversified. Uh, I, it's not a predictable book. Um, mm. The ending is fairly unpredictable. A lot of the people that have read it, it's hard because I wrote it, uh, have told me they don't expect the ending to be what it is. Uh, mm. It's an uplifting ending, by the way. <laughs> I don't end it by saying, and there's no hope. <laughs> but uh, typical like, Irish ending. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's an uplifting uh, ending, but it, it's a diversified group of stories. And I think that, you know, as people, the book moves fast, but. I had to share so much uh, about so many heroes in America. It's so hard to watch the news, and th- th- this isn't this isn't real. I mean, of course, there's great evil in the world, but there are great saints fighting that evil and great Christians standing in the gap. And you know, most of us are not going to be martyred uh, like the early church, but we certainly are facing a a white martyrdom, if you will, of just uh, standing for Christ not shedding our own blood, but certainly facing persecution uh, in a world that uh, sort of gets creative in, in trying to forget about God every day. So it's beautiful to, to share some of these stories. One of the other stories I share is a wonderful uh, friend of mine uh, who was a sidewalk counselor, mm-hmm. and she saved six babies from abortion that we know of. And um, she participated in the first ever 40 Days for Life campaign and she was diagnosed. Actually, she was never diagnosed. They couldn't figure out what kind of cancer she had in her throat. Hmm. And uh, she passed away just six months after being diagnosed, two weeks after she got married. She was only 22 years of age. And her passing, you know, sort of opened up a world for her dad. Hmm. You know, there's nothing worse, obviously, than losing a child. And he realized this huge contribution she was making while she was at college. She was, you know, just dove into the pro-life movement and saved these babies. So he started a scholarship uh, in her honor, and he sponsors the 4040 scholarship, which we give away every year at the West Coast Walk for Life. And it was just beautiful to see this, this young woman who in 22 years made such an impact on the world, including you know, setting a, a, a high bar example of her own dad. And it's a, it's a beautiful story. Mm. And I think all parents and all kids will be able to relate to it. Wow. In, in both of these uh, different examples, it, it sounds like it was kind of a, again, going back to what you were saying earlier, it's a community effort at the local level rather than a, a, a battle or a fight or however you want to describe that at the national level. Sure, it's there, but... What you've been focusing on, I know through, it sounds like through 40 Days and through this book, is explaining and sharing stories that are happening uh, around the block, right? Around that corner, the, the one that ended up turning in to uh, ended up being a, a Christian organization later. Um, can you kind of explain? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of those, uh, a lot of the stories too, I will tell it from the perspective of the woman. Uh, sitting in the parking lot, having every reason, according to the world, to have an abortion. Hmm. And what is she seeing? What is she feeling? Why is she making this? No one grows up wanting an abortion. And Hmm. no one grows up wanting to work in the abortion industry. There's always a fork in the road. Something went wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's There's not medical students that are trying to aspire to be the best abortion doctor in American history. And so... Hmm. It's a lot of broken hearts, yeah. and that's why getting back to the prayer, we we take, uh, we 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 become, you know, uh, the hands and feet of Christ, the voice of Christ, as as Mother Teresa famously said, He has no hands but yours in the world. And so, you know, when we're out there, we're we're the, it's peaceful, it's law abiding, uh, but but beyond that, that's a very basic level. It's. Uh, it's to offer the love and the truth of the gospel in what we say and in what we don't say. And so I think that, 
you know, as, as people read the book, they'll get a perspective on, on the good that's going on in our mm. country regarding abortion, but the fact that it really is focused on hearts and minds. No one goes into an abortion clinic and has an abortion because they're a Democrat or a Republican. They go be- because they feel they have no choice. They, they feel they have no options. They don't feel free, quite the opposite. And then we're there. And of course, many don't want us there, but a lot do. And they almost always talk to us after the abortion because it's final and there's no follow-up appointment when you have an abortion. So, you know, it's, it's focused on hearts and minds and that is where we are seeing so many results and we're seeing political results for sure, state by state. Uh, but, uh, I don't get into that in the book. Uh, that's a reflection of the changing of the hearts and minds, uh, you know, just 40 days for life, local campaign leaders, Tyler, Mm. 25% of them are women who have had an abortion, you know, and so it's a beautiful thing. And it was 10, 15, 30 years ago for some of them, but you know, this is a movement of converts and a movement of people that even had good intentions and they supported abortion rights when they were younger or whatever, but now they're pro-life. And, and this is an issue for our side. You, you really can't be idle. You know, it is life and death for us and it's, it's not for them. And the abortion industry recognizes that, that we are more dedicated at the local level. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned what you say, uh, but often what you don't say as well. Um, (coughs) excuse me. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, just about the power of the tongue, um, and, and being slow to speak. And I think that's, so for you, for somebody who, uh, may not be as familiar, might not have, uh, I'd say might not have made their mind up of w- w- what side of the fence they're on or really where they stand in this. How, how do you, uh, encourage or how do you, uh, support in a, a way to, to seek truth and to seek the, you know, if they are, if they are Christians seeking bi- biblical wisdom in that decision and kind of how does that look for you in terms of that's what that's a great that's a great question because for okay if you are a pro-life Christian I always tell people you have to look at it from what we know and as Christians in America we know that in order to justify abortion you have to reject science and you have to reject God those are two very large things. So obviously, if you support abortion, you don't believe that you reject science or you you know, ignore it, and you believe maybe God is on your side, that he's understanding, he's compassionate, Jesus would help escort people into the abortion clinic. I've had people tell me that. And so hmm. the third option of why they support it is the obvious one, which is pain. Uh, there, there's emotional pain. They've had an experience with abortion, um, they've had experience with their own family. Uh, they may have faced some kind of an, uh, of abuse, and 99% of the time, that that is the case. And I've been to over 450 abortion facilities here, just in the United States, and those parking lots are full of pain. And that's a big theme of of the book, which is, which is why we don't go out there and argue with them about the, the DNA makeup of their child and how life does begin at conception and how the heart beats at 18 days. And all of that is true. And you can definitely get into that as someone engages you. Uh, if, if the conversation lends itself, we have to obviously state the facts. But initially, that's not it. Initially, when you say what you say and don't say, they're surprised that you told them good morning. <laughs> they're surprised that you're drinking coffee out of your stainless steel cup. They're like, I thought you were a weirdo and a freak. And you <laughs> drink coffee? That's, I thought you drank gasoline. That's amazing. Mm. You know, and so it can be the little things of just, you know, these, are our, these are our brothers and our sisters that are being aborted. And mm. these are our brothers and our sisters that are seeking abortions. And they think we're out there judging them or harassing them or being the, the Pharisees out there to, to make ourselves feel good and self-righteous Christians and, and all the stuff that mm-hmm. that anybody trying to do anything good in the name of Christ has been accused of, of in for centuries. 
but they get over that whenever you're a, a real a normal person and that's explained too, Tyler and you know we've helped 177 abortion facility workers leave their job and mm -hmm. one of the most well-known is Abby Johnson she was the 2008 Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year and she was my local director she walked into my office when she had her conversion but my wife and I knew Abby for years and Abby put in her book something that my wife and I forgot about, but I, I, I remembered that it happened, but hadn't thought about it in a while. When Abby was a volunteer at Planned Parenthood, she was walking, and my wife just said, hey, I just want to give you some information. You have a good heart, and you're so nice. You should really volunteer you know, somewhere else, yada, yada. And so they're walking to her car, and Abby turns to her and says, look, I, abortion really isn't that big of a deal. I've had one. It's just not a big deal. And my wife, you know, just looked at her and had so much sorrow and said, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And Abby said that completely changed her mm. and, and the view that she had of, of pro-life people. It, it wasn't, well, you killed your baby or, um, well, that was wrong and it's still wrong or this isn't going to make it go away. It became personal. And Abby obviously revealed why she was there. She had had an abortion, and now she wanted to help others who were in a tough spot. And my wife spoke directly to to her heart. And so I, I, I think that those, those interactions, the wall goes down because abortion can't stand on its own. I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely impossible. And so in, in the book, there's a, there is another constant theme of to really support abortion. It just requires constant justification. And that's why we've got to get to the heart of the issue. And that's usually the human heart. Hmm. So it's coming from a place of empathy first. And is that kind of what changed? You said when your wife said, I'm sorry that you had to go through with that or had to go through that. Is that was that relating to to really to again try, trying to relate to the heart and, and and understand from an experiencing empathy with that person? Is that am I in the same right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also understanding you know that she had gone through that, so it, mm. it certainly makes sense. And you know we've never been through an abortion. My wife's never been through an abortion. We've never we don't have any family members actually that have been through an abortion that, that we know of. And so when you hear that somebody went through that, that's really the, that's the basic appropriate response from a Christian is I'm, I'm sorry you, you went through that because it's, it's the nature of sin. We don't want anybody to sin. <laughs> we don't want anybody putting their soul in danger or doing harm to another. Uh, and, and so uh, I think, looking at each person, and that's definitely the approach of a 40 Days for Life campaign, going out there with the uh, perspective of eternity, that this is not our home, and, and we're not, uh, these aren't our enemies, these are our patients, you know, mm -hmm. our world is sick, and we, we're trying to give them the great physician, the great healer, our Lord, and so I, I think that that perspective helps you you know not get upset when you're out there and say the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket and it, and it also gives you the the right disposition and the frame of mind and the heart to see it is it is sin that we are opposing it is this great evil that has grave consequences uh, particularly for the unborn child who has no voice in all of this but ours so uh but yeah i, I think reaching that that was sort of the beginning for, for Abby, mm. you know, and yet it requires prayer. Abby left that, really enjoyed talking to Mary Lisa in many interactions, talked to me uh, throughout her eight years at Planned Parenthood, but Abby went on to work there, went on to be the director there, went on to have another abortion, you know, went on to do so many things from that moment. And that shows that we have to be persistent and we have to trust that we can't force anybody not to have an abortion but we can witness the joy of of life and the joy of god's mercy mm. um 
No, it's it's interesting, and and again, just to reiterate, the 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 main or the the biggest reason you see is 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 the pain that the the that the woman will will go through, um, you know, when when facing this. And again, I like how you, uh, in the book, you take on the perspective of of someone who's been, uh, uh, you know, who's feeling inflicted or, or who's feeling this oppression maybe against their, you know, with with the pain with whatever is coming against them, whatever different forces that are playing into this pain. Um, but being able to, to, to understand that or really work through that pain and get them to say, Hey, there is hope kind of as well. And if you're speaking with pro Christians too, or sorry, if you're speaking with Christians as well, um, that the hope of the gospel and to rejoice in the suffering, because, you know, even speak to something greater than that particular thing, but speak to the, to this, you know, this idea that suffering is part of, the gospel and it's something that we have to own and accept uh, and ultimately to, to live a life in Christ. You're exactly right. And, yeah. and our Lord doesn't um, suggest that we may be persecuted. He promises mm. it. And he <laughs> yeah. certainly gives us his own example. And, and you know, true love is to suffer. Mm. And he, he certainly suffered. Um, but he did so with joy. He, he had peace. He didn't, nobody took his life. He handed it over. And so, mm. You know, it's a great example, and there is definitely suffering in participating in a 40 Days for Life campaign. There's suffering in the sense of of you are standing up to this injustice, and not everyone will will like it. I think that's the easy part to see from the outside of like, oh, I may be, somebody may drive by and say, get a life, you know, or say something worse. Uh, But then there's the practical suffering. We're outside. <laughs> it's it's hot. It's cold. It may rain. It may look um, like it's going to rain. You know, in Texas, we make it a hurricane. You know, there's all these things yeah. that can happen, and that that's in the book too. You know, yeah. of just there's men in Green Bay that said we're going to have a 24 hour vigil outside of our abortion facility, and they did so in the winter, and in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it is obviously freezing Mm. in the winter and they they said men have got to be out there men have walked away it's been men that have have got women pregnant and forfeited their responsibility and if we can go to packer games and drink beer or if we can go out in the cold to hunt at four o'clock in the morning then we can go out and we can pray and they started a campaign called sleep no more during their 40 days for life campaign (laughs) and so and it's all about uh it's all about men. And so yeah. there is a chapter on that called A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. That's funny. I was in Green Bay this weekend, and that's a, one of the only times I'll go to Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> my, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. My, my, my whole family is from Wisconsin, so I have some Scotty blood in me. Um, all right. Excellent. And, uh, well, it's good. Yeah, I wrote a couple of chapters on Wisconsin. That's oh, a great state. Oh, great state. Um, anyways, cheese, so cheese curds. I had a lot of cheese curds, too. Can't. Yeah, Cheese yeah, curds. you can't you can't go to Wisconsin and not have they're cheese curds. Health, they're healthy. They they're full of calcium. Yeah, De- depend <laughs> depends on what kind of curds you get too. You lower them into the deep fryer, they're even better. You still get the calcium. Yeah, I'm just, sure. just All light, doctors support it. <laughs> lightly dip it into the deep fry. Just 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 a, just a little bit. Exactly. Um, well, hey, I want to uh, get a bit more. Again, you mentioned, uh, you know, it's it's always refreshing hearing uh, that someone is human, right? Or like getting that human element, uh, seeing that, hey, you drink coffee too, and like bringing that bringing that element that's just like there. It's not just some angry mob or cult or whatever that might look like, right? That that can get into someone's get in someone's head, and you know, you know, you've seen you've seen how that manifests too. Um, but wanted to know a bit more about your your background and your personal story, looking back into your childhood, um, kind of looking through some, maybe what it was like, your, your faith journey as well, and then ultimately how you uh, have kind of gone into this direction, into this passion for, uh, for supporting pro-life and then becoming a leader at 40 Days for Life as well. Well, it's looking back, you know, um, as, as a kid, I... I, I am from Tyler, Texas, which is 98% Southern Baptist, right? It's a great place to raise children. It's a family place. And we were Catholic. I'm Catholic. And so we're 2% Catholic. And I went to a Catholic school, which is kind of funny um, because all the students are Baptists. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Catholics started the school, but there were no Catholics. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I go. So it was really the influence of the uh, we didn't have a lot of priests where we were. So they would bring priests over from Ireland. We had these great, young, joyful Irish priests, and they were very pro-life. Um, and so they worked with all the Baptist preachers and would do stuff around Roe v. Wade and Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And they said, you know, our class is going to go over to Green Acres Baptist Church, the largest Baptist church in my town. And we heard a pro-life speaker, and it was Carol Everett, who had ran uh, five abortion, four abortion facilities in Dallas before her conversion in the early 1990s. And she was converted by a preacher who would go out and just stand there and talk to her. And she's got a, a great story. So I was really struck as an eighth grader, um, you know, by this person who did all of these things and yet became pro-life. And uh, we went to church every Sunday. Um, I wouldn't say that abortion came up a lot in our house because it just didn't come up, but my parents were pro-life. Um, and, you know, it was it was just eye-opening to hear me, to, to finally hear a, a an abortion facility worker. So in high school, I was kind of total gung-ho. Um, I wanted to uh, do anything pro-life, but really it wasn't until I went to college. I went to Texas A&M University, and the woman that I was dating, who became my wife and the mother of our seven children, um, she was a sidewalk counselor. And I was like, I'll never do that. I'm not going out there and talking to people. I'll go out there and pray, which is what you know, 95% of people do. Mm. But I'm not going to go and get trained and reach out to somebody. I'll say the wrong thing. They'll yeah. probably sprint in and have the abortion. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm like the last person that needs to say it. So yeah. she said, well, just come out and pray. Uh, and I really didn't want to do that, Tyler. I was wussing out in a, in a very real way. Mm. But – as many people, we don't know each other, but many people who know know me know I married way up. And dating Mary Lisa, I was like way out of my league as is. So if she was like, I want to go to the abortion clinic, great. I want to go to Hong Kong, great. I want to go to the moon, great. You know, I was just going to follow her yeah. anywhere. So I reluctantly went and I was very moved. You know, I guess I got hooked of just seeing the deep sadness that is required. Of, of that scene. I mean, no one wants to be there. The workers don't want to be there. The women don't want to be there. The only person that actually wants to be there are the people outside praying. And they would obviously rather be doing other things. You'd want to watch college football or fry turkey legs or cheese curds in your backyard. Hmm. Um, but you want you want to be there, you know, for, for those women and give them options. So that really struck me of seeing my peers. I was 18, 19 years old when this happened, first time I went out. And it just broke my heart. And uh, I, I really got challenged as a, as a young man. And then also in college, I got challenged because I heard five women who have had abortion share their testimonies. And that really, I was like, what am I doing? That's when I got uh, trained as a sidewalk counselor, is after hearing them speak. So hearing that trauma, hearing the aftermath is really kind of what pushed you kind of over the edge, you know, one might say. Yes, yeah. yes. And and I think seeing our Lord in all of it, you know, it wasn't like I've had people tell me, you know, I love participating in 40 Days for Life. It's the first time I've felt like I've been persecuted for my faith. And not that we run out and want persecution. That's that's disordered but that you look up and you're like i just don't know if i've actually ever been persecuted for my faith that's, uh, i don't know if somebody's uh, you know. No, no i think that's that's very fascinating too because um especially in western culture in america that's not something that we really think about i think most people if you ask them like no well, thankfully we don't they would say you know thankfully we don't we're not persecuted for our faith here but it's it's in, really interesting hearing that because you, you know if you're if you're putting yourself and you really believe that this is the truth and this is worth worth your time and worth w what you're called to do then then yes then it, it, it should be you, you know you, you this is an example of when you will face persecution in your faith 
Um, and I think as you kind of continue to get deeper and more involved in, in your faith and uh, that, I think that starts to play out a little bit more too. But I, I don't know, what kind of people are you seeing that are, that are really taking part in these 40 day, you know, in these, in these, whether it's a campaign or uh, however that looks the, the, the folks that are going to be on the ground. Well, it, you know, it's a hundred percent Christian. Yeah. Um, I think of our, we've had 750,000 people participate. So yeah. 40 days for life started in college station, Texas mm. uh, in 2004, we launched the first campaign. Then we launched it nationally in 2007. So over the last 11 years, We've we've we're in now, uh, you know, 770 cities and mm. over 50 countries. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that have participated, 750,000, and it's basically 100 percent or 99.9 percent Christian. For we've sure, had a yeah. few Jewish men lead campaigns or, or participate, hmm. but it is and we're officially a Christian yeah. charity. But I'd say our leaders are 70% women hmm. and our participants are the same 70% women so we are uh, highly Christian females if you will um, and we've had everybody lead campaigns so what happens is twice a year we have a campaign in the fall and then we have a campaign in the spring which is done in conjunction with the season of Lent and mm. so it's the fall campaign and the spring campaign and volunteers have to apply and we approve them and then they go through our training and they lead a campaign and leading a 40 days for life campaign is hard and it, but it's great on the participant because all of the work's done for you you know you just sign the statement of peace and you show up and we've got the app and we got the website and you sign up and it's easy but on the leader it's it's hard it's the old they're the real heroes they're they're the motivation for me to write the book. And so, um, you know, when people go out there and they pray for the first time, there's that, there's that sort of hesitation and that's normal. Uh, there's awkwardness and that's normal. And it's not awkward because you're there. It's awkward because they're there on the other side of the fence and the walls. And you realize what's going on inside. Hmm. Um, so, so, so what is that? So it's, if it's, you know, 70, 70% are women that are, that are, that are coming out or, you know, 70% that are leading as well. Uh, you, you mentioned that there's a few good men that have, uh, that take part. What does that say about the men that, um, obviously a lot of, a lot of the listeners here are men. What does that say about the men that end up taking a stand and doing this? What have you seen through, through these different examples? Well, men, as you know, I, like the guys in Green Bay or wherever, it's, a lot of times it just takes them and us. You just got to get fed up. <laughs> it's like when I heard, uh, not angry at the world, I mean fed up by somebody else's example. Like when I heard those women pour their hearts out about going through an abortion and laying on the table and and one of them was a victim of rape and the, the abortion now – reminds her of the rape every anniversary and just all of this stuff and I'm like what am I doing and I was highly involved I was out there all the time and I could have easily said well I'm doing my part but it, it's it's like having a conversion and then having an interior conversion to Christ you know it's like uh, I, yeah I, I profess our Lord but I don't I don't like get up earlier and pray. I don't I haven't redone my schedule. I don't I don't randomly buy my wife flowers. You know what? I have no plan of life or reform of life. I'm doing the same things. It's kind of like that where we we men need that to be challenged. And that's that's what we see with 40 Days for Life in Green Bay, for instance. Both guys are named Jim, but one Jim saw the other Jim outside. And he was holding a pro-life sign, and he was, like, frustrated because he passed him every day to, on the way to work. And he just, like, pulled up, rolled down his window, and was like, what the heck are you doing out here? Like, I see you all the time. And he's like, oh, I'm out here praying for an end to abortion. And this is a 40 Days for Life campaign, and this is my hour. And he's like, <laughs> that's it. I'm signing up. And he ended up leading the campaign. So, you know, sometimes yeah. it, it, it just takes that and, and seeing yeah. the example of men. I will say there is hesitation by a lot of men and it's it's things it's reasons that I think men make a lot of mistake number one 
Uh, my, my wife does all that. My wife does the pro-life stuff, or that's kind of a woman's issue. And that's the ultimate just kind of like, I, I that's believing the world. It's a woman's issue. It's not my problem. Yeah. Where half the abortions done are on men and half the abortions done are on women, baby women or baby boys and baby girls. So, um, you know, and no one's defending these women. Um, my, uh, and I put this in the 40 days for life book, you know, I had this encounter with a man who was my age. Uh, only time I've really been mad out at an abortion facility where I'm like, wow. Cause everybody's like, you're so calm. How do you do all this? And I was like, I'm not calm right now. No. <laughs> uh, this, oh man. The, this, we had, they had this sign, these, these young college girls were holding a sign that said, please pray. There have been 1,292 abortions at this abortion facility. You know, please ask for healing and mercy, something like that. And the number would change. They would rotate the number every month. So this boyfriend drove his girlfriend in and they had an abortion. He sat and smoked a cigarette on the front porch while she was in having the abortion. He's completely distant from what's going on, but you know, that's a facade usually. And then she comes out, she's devastated, head in hands, bawling, and he's driving out of the driveway and he sees that sign with the number on it of how many abortions have taken place. And he rolls down the window and speaks over her through the passenger window. And he says, hey, just go ahead and add another one onto that, uh, to add another number. And that was the only, I was so shocked that he said that. It's it's like, it you know, we're being, I was naive too, but, you know, we're shocked by the world. We're shocked by the fact that it's vile and we have to be reminded that the world um, is not of our Lord. And so that was the angriest I've ever been. And then, you know, you take a couple of deep breaths and, you know, it's final for her, and she's having the appropriate response. You can't undo an abortion. I mean, it's final. And she realized that, and he didn't. He was still fighting off the inevitable. And we all know, like all things, you can do that for a weekend. You can do it for five years. You may be able to do it for 20 years, but it, you're not going to do it your whole life. You, and I've had so many men pull me aside and say, you know, I didn't really know this girl and I paid for her abortion and it was 26 years ago. And, you know, it's kind of their way of, of talking about it. And so I, I think there's two things as far as why men don't get involved. They don't think it's their issue. Mm. And they a lot of times feel guilty for either sexual immorality or a past abortion. And they just haven't accepted God's mercy or, mm. or confessed it or, or whatever it is, and they're fighting that. So the abortion issue makes them really uncomfortable because it's connected to sex and, and past abortions. Well, yeah. Well, it's interesting how even, you know, somebody will come to you 26 years later and still feel the feel. I'm sure there's there has to be grief if, if they're still mentioning yeah. it 26 years later. Yeah. Know? There was a, a Tyler of... 77 year old man uh, I was in Iowa and he came up to me and I still ask this question out of habit but I should really learn it's a stupid question it, but uh, but the answer is always beautiful so I guess it's not stupid but I'm like why are you here you know what made you come out and you're you know it's like oh I saw the flyer at church you know you're kind of wanting like are, are our flyers good you know, was it the website what got you out yeah, there it's yeah, such a yeah. stupid question yeah, yeah, and and yeah. you know then people are like when I was eight years old and you're like oh it's like a real story I didn't sign up for the story 21. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. it's like the little naive kid so um <laughs> That happened to me, and I was like, hey, well, what, what brought you out tonight? It's freezing, you know, because it was really cold in yeah. Iowa that night. And He said he drove his girlfriend in, like, 1956 yep. for an illegal abortion. And mm. okay. they, broke, they broke up right afterwards. Obviously, it was just like, we're going to do this and never talk about it again. He gets married. He has a bunch of kids tons of grandkids he's married 50 years to the same woman 
and he is in his seventies and he just breaks down and he has to tell his wife. He had never told her and wow. he had felt like he wow. had lived a, a, a double life. Um, wow. and you know, that's, so he went on a retreat. He actually went on a post-abortive men healing mm. retreat, which is put out by Rachel's Vineyard. And mm. it's beautiful. And he, he said, you know, you he, he decided at the end he wanted to, to just do something uh, in the pro-life movement. And he was going to participate in 40 Days for Life. And he said, so that's why I'm here. You know, it's kind of a, a great answer. Yeah. Wow. Well, just the last kind of few few thoughts and questions. Um, just wanted to know what you know if if people are interested in, in learning more, uh, kind of whether you know f- from a scriptural standpoint, looking at different, looking in the where where they can continue to inform and, and provide wisdom to situation uh, to this, but also uh, resources uh, and other maybe other things that are that y- that y'all provide at for Forty Days for Life as well. Absolutely. Well, the best thing I always tell people is to is to participate. And uh, forty days for life is is free, you know, <laughs> because we live in a great country and we have the public right away. And so you can participate in the vigils by going to forty daysforlife dot com. You can find your location, but at minimum, uh, sign up for the day for the daily emails. This campaign starts on September the twenty sixth and it goes through uh, November fourth. And there will be 415 cities in 26 countries. And so every day we send out an email and it has like a little report, a baby saved, a worker who has a conversion, an abortion facility that closes, whatever it is, we'll have a report. But the most important part is the daily scripture and the daily reflection. And so we have one for day one, day two, day three, and it's a, it goes out early in the morning, and, and people say, I just make it part of my morning offering, my morning prayer, mm-hmm. and just I include the, the daily scripture. There's a reflection. Uh, we have different pastors and churches that contribute to it, uh, men, women. We've got a lot of different people that contribute to the daily reflections. Mm-hmm. And the same with the book. If people buy the book, it's 40 days. It's, it's 40 days, 40 mm-hmm. chapters. And then there's a story in each chapter. And I end it with scripture and a, a prayer reflection every single day. And that's a great way to, mm. to follow along, too. So even if you can't make the vigil, you can get the book. You can get the get on the email list for sure. Uh, mm. Those are free. And we send out a lot of good stuff. And we also have the 40 Days for Life podcast, mm. which is once a week every, every Tuesday. And so uh, people can find that on iTunes or our website. And so... It's, it's great resources. Everything is on 40daysforlife.com. 40daysforlife.com. Wonderful. Um, also wanted to know, what speak on the power of prayer, uh, power of 40 days of prayer. I want to know, for you personally, what has been a, a prayer, maybe a, a prayers that have greatly uh, impacted your life or you know, changed your heart? I think it's the the workers who have had a change of heart you know we pray for these people and i know there were a lot of times where i said you know we need to pray for them you know it's like in the <laughs> south we say well, bless his heart you know? yeah, <laughs> which yeah. means i really you know i'm about to throw you under the bus but, <laughs> i'll tell you something whose prayers is that guy you know and so yeah, uh yeah. not not just that on the very superficial level but really you know reflecting on the gravity of what we're doing Mm. as a culture to to these beautiful innocent children you know i mean i have seven kids and that's Mm. a lot right but every time you have a baby it's just this miracle like there's this beautiful child and i i i I can't imagine hurting a baby Mm. and we this is a surgery we would not wish on our our greatest enemy um and so I think praying for these workers and that they really have a change of heart and then seeing that happen. Mm. And I certainly saw it with Abby Johnson. Mm. Um, I saw it with Ramona Trevino and, and so many of these former Planned Parenthood workers and abortion doctors. I mentioned the guy in the book who heard the prayer through the walls and realizing like the power of God is real. and how cynical to think oh this is the way things are and our culture is here to stay and that is just the complete opposite nature of what we are supposed to have it's the nature of the church to be missionaries we Mm. go out into the world we don't cower 
we respond with joy and we trust the grace of God. And, you know, I've seen that through through the power of prayer. People that were walking into abortion facilities every day, then giving talks about their conversion. Yeah. So praying for the leaders and then praying for the workers. Um, Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. Ah. And, and Tyler, I've met so many people. And they would tell their story on the sidewalk, and they have every reason, according to the world, to have an abortion. Handicapped children, fathers abusive, uh, they're not from this country. I mean, just all these things that somebody would be like, that's why we have abortion, and yet they don't want to do it. Wow. It's the natural wow. heart of a mother. Hmm. Um, last, uh, anything that's on your heart that you'd like to share or uh, and or word of encouragement um, and hope for the listeners? They need to really be encouraged uh, because we, yeah. we really are seeing the beginning of the end of abortion. I mean, when you look at the West, there is no country in the West where this is a battle. They've just all accepted it. And yet in America, we've had it longer than most countries. We have fewer restrictions on abortion than most countries. And yet we are on the brink of ending it. We've seen record numbers of abortion facilities close over half in the last 25 years, to be exact, closed. Uh, we see all of these pregnancy center resource centers open up. We see 40 days for life spreading and we see the world come knocking. You know, mm -hmm. we've helped 50 mm -hmm. countries and people should be encouraged. This is the time to really dive in. And, and do something on, on behalf of the unborn, whether you've never done anything in the pro-life movement before or whether you've been involved. You know, this this is a critical moment in history because if, if abortion ends in America, it will only be because of God. They'll have to point to that. Everything else points in the, wow. in the other direction. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. And all, all the glory goes back to him at the end. It does, and it will have to. Have to. <laughs> I mean, There's know, no option. No, yeah. we would have media pundits going. <laughs> I mean, you can try to explain this away, but it, there is such a huge current of faith at the grassroots level. And, you know, all the logic goes out the window yeah. when somebody's yeah. going in to have an abortion. It becomes yeah. about hearts and minds. Wow. Wow. Uh, well, Sean, thanks so much for, for being on today. It's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you and hearing about your latest book. It's coming out in a few weeks now, that the beginning of the end of abortion as well as uh, 40 Days for Life and everything else that we, we discussed and touched on as well. So thank you. Thank you. Keep up the great work.